The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. Voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, this is Robert Scott Bell. Going to do a quick hit on the news with you right now. One particular news item that caught my eye is Super Don is out and about or out and about because he's close to. Ca- is it almost Canada up there where you are, Super D? Anyway, hope uh, hope he's having a wonderful time this St. Patrick's Day weekend as we uh, kick into gear again. Uh, a quick hit on the news is the best way I could say it. I don't know how long it'll be, but uh, there's a headline at uh, United Propaganda International, otherwise known as UPI. It says too few antibiotics are in the pipeline. World Health Organization review warns. Now, if you don't know what that means, it basically says in the review process and scientific, if I can call it that developmental process for new drugs, the pipeline is that proverbial visual on we've got a drug coming down the pipeline it's going to get approved we got a new one right another one they're saying there are too few of them they have some but not enough apparently to meet the demand that they foresee coming regarding infections and if it's an antibiotic then we're talking bacterial infections Uh, just as a, a reminder i grew up on antibiotics i know how devastating they can be i also know that Arguably, they can save people who are overwhelmed by an infectious agent, a bacterial uh, overgrowth that is life-threatening. I don't dispute it except for the danger and damage done long-term for relying on it as a first, second, and third resort. And because I realized that I was so damaged by vaccination and antibiotics and uh, this drug and that drug and many drugs, I was pharmaceutically grown. I wanted, if I could recover, to do it differently for my kids. And of course we have. Uh, My kids now 23 and 17, never having an antibiotic at all, not once. And yet they have had infections. They've had colds and flus, different things, whether it be bacterial, viral, maybe even fungal but we haven't had to resort i have not had to resort to a toxic potent antimicrobial drug since my kids have been born in their in all of their of their life so thus far if there was a reason for it i would do it certainly and i i'll tell the story briefly I, i've mentioned this before when my son gosh was he uh, 10 11 12 13 i don't know probably 10 11 maybe he uh, had an infection on his cuticles and on his toes, an infection. It was really red, swollen, and angry, particularly his big toe. And we were watching it, my wife and I, say, okay, this could be serious. Uh, and, and if so, we, you know, we're willing, if we need to, resort to an antibiotic. And we gave him, of course, the silver. We had, the, we had access to the, both the Sovereign Silver and the Argentin 23. And so we were giving him that orally. Also, I uh, filled a little tiny tub. I say tub. It's a little cup-like thing that was big enough to stick his toe in. He laid down on his belly on the couch. We kind of positioned it between the cushions so it was solid and had him drop that toe in there with his foot and just soak it for like 10 minutes at a time a few times during the day. On top of that, I did the classic homeopathic infection remedies, phosphorus and hypersulfur. There was pus involved. 
and and not indicated also staff infection perhaps. Now, as we were watching this, it was a little bit nerve wracking because it was a serious, like it was, it was, she, he was in pain. It was annoying. It was big. And there were striations starting to move up his leg, which is an indicator of could be even a strep. And, and no, that can be serious, very serious. And so we were monitoring it and we increased or doubled down on our frequency of silver and everything else we were doing. And we saw it starting to fade back and not rise up. And at that point we realized we had overcome it. We had, we had taken them over the top and then it continued to get better and better. And once again, we didn't have to resort to antibiotics. I, and I share that story just so you know, my wife and I were like, well, might, we might have to this time, but yet we utilized efficiently, frequently enough to respond to a, an acute challenge to his immune system, even in childhood that we were able to succeed where if you didn't have the comfort and confidence in the safety, for instance, of the bioactive silver hydrosol, you might go, well, maybe it's too much. We, we just don't want to do another dose. And at that point, you don't succeed. And then you have to run at that point to get that intervention. So part of the discovery of what can help you immunologically through modulation and through direct intervention and reducing a microbial or pathogen burden. I had to be comfortable enough to be able to use it frequently enough. And if you're not, then you might end up in a place where it doesn't look like it's working and run and get the drug. So uh, part of my journey now, as I'm, as I'm meeting more and more doctors and nurses that are realizing the disaster that is modern medicine in many ways, um, looking to help them with, specific, practical, pragmatic protocols that will help them to succeed where they haven't succeeded before or whether they're just new to this and they don't even know what to do. So it becomes almost like a hand-holding scenario, but it's not a bad thing because let's be honest, when you get information as a physician or nurse to do a protocol, somebody's holding your hand and saying, here's the protocol. It's very rare to have uh, an innovative physician or nurse that's developing the protocols. And of course, uh, you don't want to develop protocols on somebody experimentally without their knowledge. That's not informed consent. But clinically, you observe, you report, you share with your colleagues. Yes, and there can be uh, peer-reviewed clinical trials, peer-reviewed even in vitro uh, discovery. So you kind of know what a substance does, like silver, in terms of being a broad-spectrum antimicrobial. So this is what is stimulated in the thought for me as I read this article, too few antibiotics in the pipeline, according to the World Health Organization. And if I scroll down and look at it, um, let's see, Landscape for New Antibiotics was published online uh, last Wednesday in advance of the European Congress of Clinical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases in Copenhagen, Denmark, running from April 15th to the 18th. And the review said, okay, now they number it. They say there are just 12 new antibiotics entered uh, oh, have that have entered since um, 2017 to 2021. I'm sorry, I'm le- reading this backwards here. So in, over a, about a four-year period, there were 12 new antibiotics that came to market. There are 27 under development in clinical trials against what they call critical pathogens, such as Acinetobacter uh, baumani and Pseudomonas arginosa. <laughs> Uh, you know, interestingly enough, both of those bacterial species are completely vulnerable 
to the bioactive state of silver, the silver ion. Now, of the 27 under development, only six are considered innovative enough to be capable of overcoming antibiotic resistance. Two of the six are targeting highly drug-resistant forms of microbes. Now, well, we recently covered a study out of uh, the University of Florida that utilized the silver that we use and found that it could reactivate a spent antibiotic. That is an antibiotic that was no longer working. They added the silver into the mix and it worked again. And the joke is, of course, if, if you did that, why did you need the antibiotic? And it's a good and legitimate question to consider, to think about. And so to me, I look at this, I go, these people, these scientists, even well-meaning or sadly, it's either misinformed or uninformed because they don't know that it isn't just me saying it. It's many physicians around the world and Yes, plenty of peer-reviewed medical literature that shows the broad-spectrum activity against all bacterial species that they call pathogens, including multi-drug-resistant strains of those pathogens. Yet, who's, who's getting the memo over there, you know, doing these studies? I mean, even though they're being done, they're not somehow reaching into the other areas where they're just looking for patented petrochemical solutions for the things that created these problems to begin with. So, you know, I, I can't reach everybody. I know that. And, you know, sometimes I'll admit it's, it's frustrating when you're like, ah, why don't they know this? Why can't they? Well, it's just, it's a matter of time, I guess, and timing. How many more doctors have come on board in the last three years than in the entirety of my almost 30 years doing what I do? I think it dwarfs any number or all of the numbers added up just within the last three years because of COVID. They began to see that their medicines uh, and those behind them, maybe we're not telling the truth. Maybe. <laughs> they say there are only 27 more currently under development to phase one to three clinical trials with little innovation. They admit little innovation there. Only four of the 27 have new mechanisms of action. So basically, they're repeating the same methods of action to defeat these bacteria that then just express new DNA, if you will, to alter their ability to interact with the terrain or the environment so that they eat the antibiotics for lunch. Instead of being killed by it, they're like, this is a good snack. Bring it on. Let's have some more. And this belies, of course, the terrain concept that the bacteria are overgrowing only because they've been given an aberrant environment that is imbalanced, dysfunctional, dysbiotic, etc. And therein lies the allopathic warfare mentality is, well, we got to we got to get some ammo in here. We got to get some, the big guns. We got to throw blow up some bombs, do some napalm, whatever it is. Kill these bad guys because they're they're trying to kill us. They're mean and nasty supervillains, superbugs when they're they're no such thing. They're only there given the right opportunity, given a, the right terrain for them to grow outside of the balance. And, and in fact, I'll add this to the mix here. This may be getting a little heady and sciencey, but uh, I think it's worth it. You've heard me talk about pleomorphism before. That's basically that, that concept of you have DNA in reserve in these microbial world, uh, you know, they can just change form, change shape, change. They're different given a different environment. That's what we call adaptation for survival. Epigenetic changes, that is the environment shifted uh, signaling and the body went, well, let's, uh, let's do this to survive. And those things that are surviving 
you look at the host of those things and you're like, oh man, they're trying to kill the host. But the host was already killing itself because of the alteration of the balanced terrain or environment due to toxicity and or deficiency. So do we need more antibiotics or do we need to go back to restoring integrity to the, to the terrain itself and then find only in extenuating circumstances do we have an unusual thing like in my son's case, cuticles that became inflamed, cut that was open, exposure to things in the environment that uh, would normally not be able to penetrate the, the skin, the epithelial barrier now had access or could it be that there were things within his own system that in that new environment, in that open arena environment, in a shoe, for instance, that could interact and express and then suddenly take over because the environment had been so altered or shifted. Now, what we did with silver was we altered the environment back to one that was not conducive for the overgrowth of those microbes, yet was harmless to his healthy mammalian cells or tissue, the skin, et cetera, all the nail bed, all of that. So everything was restored to normal and optimal, in fact. And it was a temporary utilization of silver in an extenuating circumstance, but it didn't cause damage to his terrain. It didn't disrupt his microbiome, the biodiversity. And so it's far different than an antibiotic, which again is anti-life. So I find myself coming back to this subject that's something I've been uh, keenly aware of and interested and intrigued by for a long, long, long time. And then finding a new wave of people that are not only ready to hear it, but need desperately to hear it because they themselves didn't know. They themselves were driven by fear into the arms of big pharma and their drugs that they were told were the only salvation allowed or that existed even. And so when I see a story like this, too few antibiotics in the pipeline, World Health Organization review warns, I'm like, I, I just, I don't even want to start going down that path of thinking we even need them because we don't. Knowing what we do, knowing what we have access to in the natural world, there are so many things. And, you know, I have an emphasis, maybe a bias on silver and now copper because I've accessed it, utilized it successfully, found it to be safe at almost homeopathic levels, of course, and uh, very successful in a broad spectrum uh, at level of activity, including immune modulation. So when I say these things, some of you will go shout at me, go, what about this? What about that? What about hydrogen peroxide? Fine. It's good. Complimentary. It's great. What about other immunomodulating uh, agents in the herbal kingdom? Absolutely great. What about selenium? Yes, selenium. It's so good and protective and um, more so than C at uh, grams, micrograms of selenium. So I don't dispute any of that. But I just realize, and I didn't just realize this, I'm just realizing when I'm saying this, that there are so many new people coming to the present moment that many of you have been with me for many years that forgive me for reaching them or reaching out to them and saying, hey, come on over, the water's warm and we don't have to die of infections because antibiotics don't work or because you're relying on them one too many times and you've destroyed what's left of that microbiome and its biodiversity. You've destroyed your immune system. You've destroyed the ability to, to digest and assimilate the key minerals and nutrients necessary for metabolic cellular function and protection. You destroy the ability to produce neurotransmitters. You end up depressed. You destroy the ability to absorb and utilize things that uh, produce the hormones that keep us young and vital and functional. 
So I, I find myself again in an unusual place. And I think about uh, what I do and what I've been doing since 1999 when I first opened the, the microphone to, a, you know, the radio show at that time, Jumpstart Your Health. And in many ways, you know, obviously we've never run out. I've never run out of things to say. I, well, except that that one joke I keep coming back to with my wife. When I came back from a trip, I was on a red eye. I, I had to do a three-hour show. I'm like, oh, I got no guests. What am I going to do, honey? Do some homeopathy. And I was like talking recipes. And home, it was a, the, she said the most boring show ever, which is why I have a complex about talking about homeopathy. Not really. But, uh, you know, the, the idea, of course, is there's always another person, another human being that is awakening to something that they've not been awake to before. And I would ask for your compassion and patience with them to recognize because you know stuff now you didn't know then. They don't know and they're just learning. I didn't know and I had to learn a lot. And I'm still, I'm still learning, which is exciting for me. But I must remember, as I would urge you to remember, all the things that you didn't know when you didn't know it. So you might have some compassion for those that still don't know it and are just coming on board so you don't get annoyed with them and angry with them and impatient with them. To the best of your ability. I mean, we're, we're human. <laughs> there are times you can see me get a little angsty and anxious and frustrated and even angry. But that's just, you know, allow that to, to flow through you and on out and then, you know, move on. It's part of our existence you know having these emotions as well we have of course the two classic homeopathic remedies not to bore you but hyper sulfur calcarium i mentioned i use that also phosphorus i used that with my son at the time with his infection so i didn't just rely on silver and you know we have always well let's say as long as i can remember now been giving the kids the 100 percent whole food selenium and the 100 percent whole food chromium although we had uh at the time, the innate response, now we're doing the uh, food research glucose sugar balance formula, which uh, Jonathan has in stock now. Yeah, I think he was out of stock recently. And that you take one capsule, three, maybe four times a day, depending on your starting point, And that will also help liver function as, as does selenium, but also the ability to utilize energy, sugar, et cetera, uh, that's stored in the cells or that comes in through your food more efficiently because the minerals have been ripped. They've ripped, ripped out everything. These are concepts as much as they are natural to you and me, a new, a new listener or viewer was like, I never heard that. Or I heard reference to that. I heard rumor about that, but I never heard it so directly to where it actually made sense and I could do it. You know, other things that you can use, uh, the, uh, Allison stabilized garlic. Now, any kind of uh, sulfur-rich compound can neutralize silver, so you want to separate them out in time. If you still want to use silver, that's fine, and I've done both. But you give it enough time to separate so that the silver can be utilized before it's bound into the sulfhydryl complexes, uh, typically in the liver. But if you have a lot of circulating sulfur with uh, garlic, for instance, high garlic uh, supplements, you may have less time to benefit from the silver as it's bound quicker and then removed. So it's not a dangerous situation. It's a matter of efficiency and effectiveness, utilizing what you know will work, but utilizing in a way that it will work, that it will not fail. And as I said, if you don't know how safe something is, you may not take it frequently enough to succeed and you think it failed. And then you run back to the doctor to get antibiotic because fear is a very powerful motivator. And, and if you see visually that, hey, oh my gosh, that thing's going up the leg on the arm. Yeah. You understand why a, a chemical interference like that may be necessary. And I believe me, I've lived it. I know it. And don't believe me. I don't care. <laughs> you, you probably know you didn't sense. I've lived that uh, road. 
And I, I'm, I'll mention um, this story too. I, I was going, let's see, I don't know what, I think it was a December event, uh, flying from Florida to Las Vegas. And we were doing the A, I believe it was the A4M conference, all for, all for money. And it's not all for money technically, but it's an it's a anti-aging medicine conference. And I was there uh, with, uh, well, there was a lot of events going on, broadcasting and everything. And I had, had it wasn't that far after I had had that injury that I had uh, from doing free dives off the coast of Florida. I was, you know, that was me, the fish, RSB, the fish. I was the Aquaman, you know, this most of my life. I was the water guy. I loved being in water. I could just hold my breath for minutes at a time and go down and uh, just have a, you know, beautiful, peaceful place to be. I, I remember in uh, one uh January, in fact, this was a long time ago. I was in my 20s taking a, a, a journey around the country, around the world, in fact. I went to Hawaii and then New Zealand and Australia uh, before I had a lot of responsibilities. It was right on the edge of having responsibilities a lot. And I uh, was snorkeling off the coast of Maui at the time that the whales were transiting through the channel there. And everybody was back on the boat. It was like one of those boats that takes you out for scuba and snorkeling. And we were out, I think, to Molokini or whatever this uh, old volcanic thing that was sticking out of the water. Beautiful uh, reefs and things. And and everybody was off. I just, I didn't want to get out. I was just there. All I was, I had my goggles on. I had fins on. And I'm just, that's it. I was just breath, breath diving down and just peacefully watching and listening. And I was down there. I was bathing in the, in the whale sounds. I was actually bathing. I mean, if you ever heard the whale sounds, you've heard them recorded all that i was in it i never heard that with my ears underwater at the time this was long before i had it had that injury by the way that's just, just a memory that came back to me but anyway i was i spent a day out uh off the coast of florida just doing deep dives breath hold dives all day up down up down up down. i had the great time greatest time but apparently i'd injured my eustachians doing that so much that day and it created a scenario where i had a severe infection inflammation I treated it holistically. I never resorted to an antibiotic. I got through it. It was hard. It was devastating. It was painful. And I was stubborn. Maybe I should have gone to an antibiotic at that point, but I didn't. But I managed it, but it was sort of a lingering, ongoing issue. And on this trip to the A4M conference, I didn't have my remedies with me. I was out of my element where I had access to everything. And we went into uh, one of the hotels had a, a you know one of those saunas, dry sauna, the the wet sauna, the heat you know and the moisture in one of them. Went into that one, came out, and I noticed I was starting to get a funny feeling in my jaw. I was like, "What is that? What's going on?" And as the day progressed, it started swelling up, swelling up, swelling up. And I'm like, "Dude, this is bad. The pain was bad. The swelling was bad. It was very visible. It was red. It was hot. I didn't have access to all the things I knew I to do if I was home, and so I had." to resort to going to a dock in the box. This was again, many years ago, but I was already holistic at that point. I didn't want to resort to an antibiotic, but here I was out of my element, didn't have access to all the things I knew to do that I was taking care of it before and kept it in check. And so they gave me an injection of clindamycin and then got, I got a script of clindamycin and uh, took it. I was not happy, but uh, you know, I was at that point where, all right, this is where modern medicine is appropriate. Uh, and I would rebuild and repair my gut with the silver aloe afterwards and, and deal with it. But, in, and so I'm not, my point is say, in sharing that with you is to let you know, uh, I have a, 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 an ideal. And if I couldn't meet the ideal, I'm not stupid. 
right? For people who say, well, you would just rather die than take an antibiotic. Well, no, I think there's a place for them as a true last resort. And in that circumstance, I want to share with you that it was that last resort. I didn't have, I had access a little bit to things, but not all the things. So it, it wasn't enough. And so I said, all right, I got it. I got to do it. I was not happy about it, but I, I did it. And then lived to fight another day, repaired the gut, et cetera. So again, compassion. As I say these things, as I'm a hard ass about these things, if you come to me and say, look, I, I, I did, I get it in. I'm not going to yell and scream at you. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you about your experience. So well, tell me what you did, what led to it. And we'll both have a learning opportunity at that point. But it isn't my intent unless somebody is so closed down to not try when they know better, to try and do better. And, and that's what I see a lot of docs and nurses now trying to do better as they learn and know better than they, than they ever had. Because they didn't know this. They were trained completely away from this. And as I said, the medical indoctrination, the Flexner Report Medical School, and even nursing school teachings are a handicap to the proper response in most cases to even acute infection. If I call proper being a form of medicine or medicines that do not harm, truly do not harm, don't destroy you, don't upset the balance, don't lead to devastating chronic diseases. I, I have no, you know, I'm just, I'm just floating freely here today. Uh, Super Don's out and about. He asked me to do a little bit of recording. I didn't even know if I'd do five minutes. I, I'm, God, 25 minutes into this thing. How does that happen? If this is interesting to you, let me know. If you think it sucks, just say that too. <laughs> just, just sharing with you what is stimulated into my mind and my experience when I see a story about not enough antibiotics. Like the end of the world is nigh. We don't have enough antibiotics. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the view is if you are locked into allopathic thinking, then yes, you believe that we're all going to die unless we develop new and more powerful antibiotics to counteract the resistant strains that are out there. It's a sad place to be. When you see a headline like this, it's like, you're, you're going to say, we're doomed. We're not going to make it. We'll never survive it. But when you know what I know and maybe what you know, you realize we're going to be healthier for it. it it's kind of like the, the, the last resort modern medicine in dealing with inflammation, deadly inflammation, systemic cytokine storms that could kill you. Every bit of energy, every bit of mitochondrial capacity to produce ATP is done. It's toast in a last-ditch effort to save your life, like in a COVID or COVID jab situation. And you go into the hospital and they go, triage time, you're going to die unless we do this. What is it? Methylprednisone, for instance. Whether inhaled budesonide is one of those things, but you know, a systemic IV, perhaps, an injection, any number of things they'll do that will indeed shut down that inflammatory cytokine immune response. And it may indeed in that moment save your life with a high cost too, being destruction and damage to the liver as well as a cessation of all immune function. Can you survive that? And for how long? Maybe you can be nursed back to health. I mean, I'm not disputing that that can happen and that has happened. It does, it has. But how about not ever getting in that situation? Oh, no, Robert, that's not realistic. I mean, everybody's going to, no, not everybody's going to get in this situation. The people that ended up in that situation relied on allopathic doctors. Went to the hospital, the doctor said, go home, there's nothing going on here until you're on death's door, then come back. Because they really had nothing, nothing that they would acknowledge, whether it's hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or 
uh, herbal forms and homeopathic forms, other things that we could do. Zinc, yes, but vitamin C, eh, but selenium and copper, for instance. And then you come to find out, oh my gosh, everybody's copper deficient. They're not eating liver. And even if they are, that liver is not as copper rich as it once was. And the zinc has wiped out their copper. The C has wiped out their copper. And their systemic inflammation has continued to diminish the copper stores in the body as your body relinquishes copper to counteract the inflammation and damage to help repair because copper manages zinc and repair as well. And, and you're, you're left with, gosh, I guess a, a dilemma. You say, well, I was going to die. It had to be prednisone. Or you can now look back and say, oh, I wonder if I was so copper deficient that it led me into that scenario where they had to use Herculean medical efforts to drug me, to save me. And now I've got to repair and rebuild and everything else, having survived that, for instance. Instead, could we replenish the minerals that are lost from chemical agriculture? Soils that have been decimated by pesticides, herbicides, fungicides over now many, many decades. Monocropping, monoculture as well. Could we look at that as giving rise to the chronic, debilitating, degenerative diseases, even in childhood, of which I experienced growing up from the 1960s, early 70s, and uh, then on up from there as a canary in the coal mine of Gen X. My journey is one of making me pay attention through suffering. You're going to experience this disease and this and this infection. And you're going to have it 100 times over, and we're going to give you an antibiotic. You're going to do this so that you can learn early on, not on death's door yet, you can learn how to undo it and rebuild and repair and regenerate to do things you couldn't do as, as a young person so that you could teach others to do the same or better. Kind of finding your life's mission and purpose. And many of you who have a mission and purpose identified, you can look back on all the things that happened to you along the way to get you to that point where you can fulfill that mission as you know it today, because it you know, could change tomorrow. I recognize that as well. What a fascinating journey, huh? And you guys tune in for this? Kudos to you. I hope that you can inspire others like I have been inspired to do this work because there's nothing better than seeing somebody's eyes light up and realize that they can do it too. No matter where they are, they're still breathing. There's an opportunity or many opportunities to recover, to be here, to be healthy while here and fulfill whatever it is you're here to do. I don't know what that is. Only you ultimately can discover it. I mean, I guess, I mean, I could have an inclination. Have you ever met somebody where you thought, I think I know what you're here to do or, or just a reflection of you? you go, hey, what, have you ever thought about this? You, you seem to be good at this. There's something there, but still that, soul in this body, whatever it is, has to come to some agreement, even if they may have had that agreement before, but some kind of congruence with that resonant energy to do whatever it is they're here to do. And suddenly life changes, shifts from being mysterious. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm worried about my future too. It doesn't matter what the future brings. I know what I'm here to do and I'm just going to do it. How different is that? And I recognize as a young person sensing things that when I grow up, I'm going to be doing some things that may impact a lot of people, maybe speaking to a lot of people. I didn't fully know exactly what that was, but I had that sense about it. Now that's my journey. 
not everybody has that same journey. My wife could care less about being in front of people talking. She doesn't like to do that. But she also has supported me in my efforts to do this like nobody else. She's been amazing. She's amazing. And so our journey may be behind the scenes as much as it may be in front of some scenes of some kind. But we are at a precipice because we've relied upon modern medicine to do things that we should be able to do for ourselves outside of, again, undue harm from an injury of some kind an unusual event, a catastrophic event of some kind where we might not be trained to do advanced surgical procedures to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And then it's pretty profound what it can offer us. I've never spoken out against that, although to use surgery when it's inappropriate, inappropriate, as like, like removing body parts that aren't the cause of cancer, even if there isn't any cancer there. Well, just pull them out because they might be cancerous one day as if they cause it, your breasts, uterus, you name it. Guys, if it was your testicles, would you pull them off? Because, or do you, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it that way, but geez, man, if you knew, if you were told, would you do that like women do? Just have them cut, you know, hmm. I, I yeah, think about that. I don't think so. I think you might be a little bit more reluctant, hesitant. You might go, wait, well, hey, doc, is there another reason, another way, another path? And if they say no, you'd find another path. Most of you, I think. Take a sip of tea here. So that's part of the journey here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. I share with you the things that I've uncovered with the uh, hopes that you might uh, glean a little insight from it to apply and make your life better and healthier along the way. And let's face it, the allopathic system is crumbling. Is it not? Is anybody arguing that they are stronger than they've ever been because of what happened in COVID? That more doctors than ever believe what they're being told in medical school? No, I don't think so. That more patients believe everything doctors tell them? I don't think so. The more people in general believe the government when it comes to their health has got their best interests? I don't think so. And you got this article here from the, the, uh, the Defender, Children's Health Defense. Headline reads, simply obscene. FDA approves fourth COVID shot for infants and kids under five. What? What? What agency that has any connection to the scientific intelligence that uh, they claim to have, an authority they claim to have, would approve even one shot related to COVID for someone under five and infants? They, I, I can't find any, you know, sometimes when I'll have my little uh, arguments or whatever they call it with Super Don about things, I'm like, I'm thinking even he might not find a way to kind of go, well, there's some plausible, reasonable way they could assess this and say it's probably might be a good thing. No, uh, -uh. I, I can't give them any, any leeway here. The FDA's decision last Tuesday to allow infants and children six months of age through age four to get Pfizer's bivalent booster shot. It's getting what? Harsh criticism from who? From me? Well, yeah, but from pedi pediatricians. Now, when pediatricians start rebelling against what they're told to do, you know it's bad because these pediatricians blindly accepted every shot to give to the kids that came to see them. And, of course, they were rewarded handsomely with some practices gaining half a million a year just from getting the percentage of customers, children, children patients to get fully, fully jabbed. And they get that, that percentage up to, what was it, 94, 96, 
they were getting bonuses. Conflicts of interest were heavy in the pediatrician crowd, and now they're going, uh, no, not this one. So maybe even there, even pediatricians have a, a human streak to them after all. So there is change happening is what I'm seeing. As much as we can look around and go, there's nothing changing. This is all the same stuff and it's getting worse. There are many people now rebelling against the system that basically rewarded them for just towing the line, for doing what they were told. The FDA, really, an organization that should be disbanded and we would all be healthier and better off. And, you know, I can hear the skeptic arguments. Well, if the FDA weren't doing its job, then you have a bunch of, bunch of scam artists pretending that they have remedies for things and selling them to you like the, the snake oil that they always say. But if you're honest about what we've been living under the FDA, isn't that exactly what's been happening? Except they're given official status because we have somehow not only granted authority, but really believe in the authority of a, an agency like FDA to tell us what, what is safe and effective. And yet what they do is exactly what people claim to fear if the FDA weren't there. Scam you out of your money to give you poisons that don't actually help you, but hurt you. And it is sadly funny that some of those people will then say, well, uh, if you do homeopathy, uh, we know it can't kill you, but because it can't kill you, it's not real. The only legitimate medicine is real if it can kill you. And then their argument is that, well, if you take a homeopathic remedy and it doesn't kill you, the thing is you could take it and not take something you really needed, like a drug that could kill you. <laughs> is that, I just, I, you can't make that up. It's crazy. That's what we've been living under for so long. And there are good doctors out there. Like, honestly, look at the journey of Dr. Peter McCullough, cardiologist. When I first met him, he was certainly awakening to the danger of the COVID jabs, the scam that was being perpetrated on the planet and all the people on it via the WHO and the CDC, et cetera, telling us that we have a deadly new uh, viral infection. We need to get these experimental mRNA jabs on and on. Oh, it went. And he's seen it. He's like, yeah, this is bad. But, but, but those other vaccines are, you know, they're different. They're good. And he was being met with a lot. Oh, let's say a lot of opposition from those that really appreciated him too, at the same time for what he was doing and saying. In my mind, I thought this man is a man of integrity. He's got a great heart, no pun intended as a cardiologist. I said, give him time. If he is, if he isn't a man of integrity, like I believe he is, he's going to see it and he's going to change. He's, he's shown himself capable of making dramatic changes in his life. And I, I'm not picking on Peter McCullough. I like him. I respect him immensely. I think he's terrific. And what he's doing is amazing. And now he looks at the entirety of the vaccine schedule and said, yeah, you're right. There is no scientific basis for it. We were lied to. We were deceived. The things many of you have known for years, and certainly I have, which is why I raised my children differently. We were all deceived. Now the question is, can we get past our bruised ego enough to go, all right, now I'm going to do something about it. I'm no longer going to fall for it, and I'm going to speak out against it and acknowledge I didn't know. And it's okay. And I'm going to move forward, be better for it and be better able to help myself and others. And, it, and it's interesting. I, I, I was seeing Peter McCullough. He's got his, uh, um, what is it? A telegram page. And he was 
uh, he's blasting out. He actually did a, a, a nice write-up on his Substack about the documentary film Utah Safe and Effective. Have you guys seen it yet? UtahSafeandEffective.org. Please share that. It's free for everybody to view. And and Peter uh, did it of, of himself. He grabbed clips. I don't know how he did it. He must be good at video or has a person that does video. And he grabbed clips of the film and put it out there. Check this out. Look at this. This is why. Da, 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 da. Check this out. This is, look at that. I'm like, dude, he didn't have to do that. But he knows. He sees and he's offended by. And I don't mean this in a negative way like he's a snowflake. I'm offended by what things that, that pass as science that aren't really science at all. They're propaganda. And here it is, all the things, safe and effective. Nope, 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 nope. And here it is. We laid it out beautifully. Thanks to my buddy Gopi and the crew at HIA. You guys can share those clips too, as well as the links to every everything that was referenced in that film. Pretty profound, pretty, pretty amazing. So I'm grateful that uh, all the people that volunteered did so. And some put in hundreds of hours of work. Amazing, many hundreds of hours to make that film a reality, a possibility. Pretty cool. Really cool. So you got the FDA approving a shot that was never needed. That is experimental for everybody, even today, despite claims of approval. That alters DNA protein synthesis without end. We don't know if it ends. And now they want to target even younger people that were never really at risk for whatever you perceive COVID is. Mary Holland, president and general counsel of CHD, said if one ever needed proof of which side the FDA is on, pharmas or the peoples, one need look no further than its authorization of a fourth COVID shot for children under five. With knowledge that these shots don't work and that they can cause severe harm, including death, this decision is simply obscene. Yeah, there, there's your obscenity. You're targeting children in this way, medically. Talk about sacrificial abuse. Oh, it's it, yes, it is. It's horrible. I was talking uh, just the other day with uh, my new friend, Nurse Michelle from Nurses Out Loud. And she's another one of those wonderful people like Kimberly Overton, many nurses that have woken up to the horror of their training limitation of their training and now that they know better they want to do better and i i don't know when this will air a couple of episodes i did with nurse michelle probably in april for her nurses out loud show i think they're hour-long shows and i i spent an hour with her first hour talking about infectious con, uh, con, disease control uh silver and protocols and how to use it it was great and so it's like we didn't even get to nitric oxide and copper. So we did a second hour. So we'll have two back-to-back -back episodes of Nurses Out Loud coming up. So if you, if you can't get enough of this, or if you know people that don't know and haven't heard the things I've been saying for years, it's nice when you have someone new asking questions because you go back to some of the basics as well. And you can review them and review them and review them. And eventually they'll make sense and you can apply them. And so she really wants to help. And she's doing great work putting things together for other nurses out there and people that need help to access this, not just theoretically, but actually, practically, pragmatically. This is different. This is a change. If someone was gonna say, oh, nothing's changed, it's all the same, nothing matters, what if it did? <laughs> is that an Allman Brothers, nothing matters, and what if it did? 
and yet everything matters and nothing matters. This is the, the dichotomy of the, or the paradox of the lower worlds, the law of polarity, world of opposites. If you um, perceive nothing has changed, then you will be, and nothing will change ever, then you're probably going to be lulled into a state of inactivity. What's it, what's it matter? What's it all worth? Nothing matters again. You come to that and it's like, wow, that's, I don't know. For me, that's not a pleasant way to go through life. And I think that if you're here, you're probably not looking to go through life because nothing matters. At the same time, all of those of you that have woken up in various ways at various times and may look back on your life and things that you've done and regretted it. My experience has been God is infinitely forgiving especially when we can come with a sincere heart, when we repent our past deeds and said, good Lord, I, I'm so sorry. I did not know what I was doing. I was duped. I was played. And I'm not trying to claim I'm not responsible for it, but I, I didn't, I never want to do that again. I, from this moment forward, I'm doing better. And I, I am doing better. And just like yourselves, God knows when you're real, but gives you an opportunity to backslide too, freedom to go, well, we'll see how serious you are about it. And then you're going to be thrown temptations along the way. And I liken this to our body cells when we are making a significant change in diet or lifestyle. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm overweight. I don't feel good. I want to change. Okay. I heard that Robert said I should do this. I'll go, I go organic, whatever. I'm going to do it. And your cells don't respond immediately. You see some things, but you're like, oh, but I'm not losing the weight. I thought I should lose the weight. And my experience in this, my perception, how I interpret what happens here is that your cells are in a holding pattern. They're waiting to see, are you really changing? Is this for real or is this another one of those, oh, I'm going to pretend to change and not change? Because we're not going to shift our metabolics if you're just going to go back and do it. So why, why bother, right? That, then it becomes a why bother. Uh, nothing's changing. But you can overcome that with consistency, with persistence, persevering, with tenacity and going, all right, I know what I'm after. I perceive and believe that what I'm doing now will finally get me there. And I'm going to fake it till I make it. That, that kind of concept. And like, I don't know. I mean, part of you might be doubting it. We're just going to do it. Give it two weeks. Give it four weeks. Give it six. Give it eight. And then at a certain point, and it's maybe different for everybody. Remember, when I started my recovery process at 24 years of age, took two years of intense work to get the, the vast majority of what I suffered with for the previous 24 years out. One month for every year I was alive with doing everything as close to right as possible, cleaning up everything that came in exercising, supplementing, all the things that are, I believe are necessary, cleaning up the water as well. Now we have hydrogen water that, that helps the echo water as well. And at a certain point, I found that my cells believed me. Much like those of you who are trying to change your body, your life, your disease state, your, your patterns. It's a little reluctant, a little reticent to just go along with the moment you changed because they're like, yeah, I've heard this story before. Let's see if this is really going to happen. And then you keep going and you keep going. And what is that moment that you believe it, your cells believe it, God knows it, and yes, they shift. And suddenly like, whoa, that weight's falling off of me and I'm not even trying anymore. I'm just eating better. Because your metabolic system, your cellular metabolic intelligence knows what to do, always knew what to do, but it was like, I'm tired of fighting you. You're running the machine wrong. The machine is the body. It's not you, soul, spirit. 
but the machine, if you will, is the body and you're running it in a way that you're running it into the ground, not to get microbiome, but running it into the ground to go six feet under with it. And then you'll leave and maybe one day come back depending on your belief system. Or maybe it doesn't depend on your belief system. That's a whole other discussion, isn't it? But eventually the cells get the message and they shift. Their metabolic shift takes place. They see the reality of the new you. The you that said, I am charting a different course and I'm not going back. And, it, it, you know, many of my friends, when I made the switch to organic uh, at the age of 24, it was in 1990, 66, 76, 86. yeah, 1990. Uh, many of my friends thought I was nuts and bonkers. And of course, it was a lot harder to eat organically only, but... I recognized I needed to, if I was going to survive and then one day hopefully thrive and fulfill my mission for being here, my purpose, my passion to help others heal as well as I have. And yeah, eventually my cells cooperated. And now, of course, if I were to put things in my body that the body doesn't want, it rejects it because that's the healthy response to that, which is not good for it, not conducive to growth and healing but would be inflammatory, destructive, infective, whatever. The body responds like a healthy baby and rejects it. Like I rejected initially the baby formula my mom gave me because the doc said it was better than breast milk. And my cells knew better. They did. Was I a sick baby because I rejected the substitute? Or was I healthy because the body cells said that we don't want that. We don't need that. That's not good. And then the cells, as intelligent as they are for survival's sake of the organism, the body, said, you know what, guys and gals, let's get together here. All we're getting is this baby formula garbage. There's some stuff in there that we could live on, but we have to deal with the other stuff in another way. If we keep violently rejecting it, this little body that this baby is in, the soul is in, is going gonna, is gonna to perish. And then adaptation is on. And now you become chronically adapted to a toxic world or a lifestyle as a baby, not of your own making necessarily. Your, your parents didn't know. They dutifully followed the doctors in the 20th century until you have the opportunity to see it differently and begin to behave differently. You put different things in your body and it responds in a way that you thought you'd hope might happen. And it actually does. And how old are you now? You know, you're 50. How many years did it take you to get there? 50. It won't take 50 years to undo it if you do the right thing, but there might be some arduous journeys ahead to get there. How badly do you want it? And I know not everybody, sad to say, wants it that badly, that they'll give up at the first sign of discomfort, difficulty. They're not in it for, for that, for whatever reason. It's not enough. How many people have come to me for help over the years and said, Robert, I, I really thought I wanted to be well, but you're telling me I have to eat organically grown food only? We're talking severely immunocompromised people, AIDS, cat cancer. And you mean I have to, I have to do that? You know, I, it's just not just a pill. I can do whatever I want and take a pill? No. Okay, well, thanks, but no thanks. And they went back to their lifestyle and most of them have perished. Those that actually listened and did it are still alive today. Like the people who sought out Nicholas Gonzalez's help with pancreatic cancer. And he put them on a high level organic diet suitable to their metabolic needs. And his wife with the Nicholas Gonzalez foundation has continued on that work. 
but suitable to their uh, needs in, in heavy enzymes, pancreatic enzymes, et cetera. And some of his patients are still alive and well today that are following the course and the protocol. Principled stance, principled way of living. Not everybody is into that. They just want, you know, live free, die young kind of thing. Only the good die young. Remember that? Eating badly. Now, and some people can eat, have a, you know, horrible kind of lifestyle and diet and still live older, longer years. And you wonder what metabolic magic did they have? And their journey is different. My journey is different. So for those who are ready, you know, I'm happy to share and I love being able to share this. I'd like to think it's wisdom, not because I'm smart, but because it's the wisdom of creation. And I learned to follow it, observe it and follow it, mimic it, try to do what it does. And we can get through it. By the way, a lot of the things we talk about here, I talk about here are because I've utilized them or seen them work, you know, like uh, Babri's uh, Folium PX three-pronged system. You know, the Folium PX, that super Chernobyl level antioxidant, the Folium immune and the Folium relax. That three-pronged approach is what brought my mom back to dancing at 89. Thank you. Thank you for that. If you haven't checked out foliumpx.com, that is for reals, <laughs> for reals. All the other things you hear me talk about, hopefully you don't get nauseous hearing it. Cardio Miracle every day. I won the Chow Challenge again. Actually, I tied Kiki. I don't think Kiki listens to the show, but uh, some of the girls at the gym were saying she didn't really do 52. I don't know. I'm not here to accuse anybody of anything. I just ended up tying her at the, in round seven. And so I was feeling good. It was a hard one. You know, sometimes these, these gals, man, especially lower body stuff, they're really strong, but I got it. Cardio miracle, drinking echo water, taking the selenium, doing the things we do, the copper, the sovereign copper, getting the whole food supplements, including sovereign copper, sovereign silver and argent 23 from Jonathan at choose to be healthy.com choose to be healthy.com use the code RSB five. I'm doing the NRDMG every day, every day, even though I eat organically. The glyphosate exposure is, unfortunately, it's real and it's everywhere. Tag damn it. I wish it wasn't. But there are people that are doing good work, giving us an ability to strategically meet these challenges and still succeed and even thrive in the midst of it. The NRDMG we get from Nutritional Frontiers. And if you go to nutritionalfrontiers.com, you can also get their hemp cbd products at cbdnf.com rsb15 code and there's a whole on the website at robertscottbell.com there's a special place for the you know all the discount codes now you, you go to more and you'll see that and just click that and go there then we have upcoming events the last three days of the month hitting uh jonathan eboard events in virginia and then right from there going to uh clearwater beach with nutritional frontiers remember you can double dip there rsb15 or double dip in the ocean i don't know if there's gonna be a red tide or not but hopefully not Great stuff happening. And then following that, we've got uh, a number of events like the Be Healthy Utah event, the 20th and 21st of April. The 28th through 30th, we have the event with the Warners in Nashville. All of those are listed, the upcoming events tab. In September, we've got the uh, Biomed Expo in Las Vegas. Before that, we've got the Family Union uh, with Leslie in Southwest Missouri. And more things will be added. So if you, if you have all been in, at all intrigued by what I do, and you want to share it, thank, thankfully you do. God bless you for doing so. But I also would ask you to get our newsletter for free. Just sign up at the, at the website or text my initials RSB to the number 22828. 
text 22828 and put in this, the message window RSB and you'll get prompted as, as well. And if you'd like to be part of our AMA, our monthly AMA by Zoom, coming up this Saturday, the 25th of March, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, we got our next Ask Me Anything, Ask Super Don Anything, We Ask You Anything. It's a great, great family reunion, if you will, online through Zoom. So there's that coming up. I, you know, this was just an unusual thing. Super Don said, hey, can you get on and talk for about like 56 minutes? And I was like, no, I'm too tired. I want to take a nap. I was going to get Morley on. I was going to get uh, Ravi on. Nobody's available. So here I am, you and me. If you learned something, great. Say thanks by sharing the show or becoming a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. The power to heal really is yours. <laughs>